hear from you. I pray, Father, that it would be all of you, Lord God, this morning. None of us. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys may uh, say hi to one another and then go have a seat. All right. All right. Can you guys hear me all right? All right. Cool. I know it's a little different today, um, but today I'm going to be using the pulpit. Cool. Um, so good to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, it's, um, let me take these off actually. It's kind of. I'm excited about the study today. You guys, uh, I'm a little nervous too because um, sometimes when like the Lord's really speaking to me, I'm like, okay, God, I want to make sure I let people get the, the message that you want. And I, I don't want to let anything get in the way of that, including myself. Um, being that today's topic is it's a pretty important topic. Um, and I'll even give you guys, a before I get into my announcements, uh, the title for today is where's your heart at, our focus in the last days. But before we get to that, I do want to make some announcements real quick. Um, welcome if this is, uh, you're visiting the Redeemed Church. We want to welcome you guys. Uh, we're glad you're here. I hope you guys get to uh, just sit and enjoy. Um, we do have, if you guys have been coming here for some time and feel led to give and you want to do that, we have an agape box in the back for that. But if you're just visiting today, uh, don't feel any pressure to do so. Uh, with that, we're going to be having uh, every Wednesday, we're, we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians, so come join us for that. And also men's study, we're going to be back on this Friday. Um, we had a week off, my parents and I and uh, Lisette got to go to Mammoth for a week and just spend some time just resting and just enjoying God's creation. It was really cool. Um, didn't catch any fish, which is kind of a bummer, a bummer but it's all right. Um, we're fishers of men instead. So with that, um, also one more thing too, uh, I know that now the holiday season is upon us. We see pumpkin spice lattes are out uh, at Starbucks. Um, <laughs> so just so want to let you guys know uh, this morning I was talking with my leadership today. And October 31st, what we want to do here is we want to have a potluck. Uh, it's going to be on a Sunday, so it falls right in line. So if you guys come here on Sunday morning, uh, that morning we're going to be having a potluck and then I, th I think maybe we'll get a list out for people if anyone wants to sign up for that um but without further ado uh also if anyone does anyone need a bible here this morning because we have these bibles in the back to to give out if anyone would like a bible we could get that to you right now otherwise we'll continue on all right cool um so my title for the study today if you would turn your Bible to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, we're continuing our study. But my title for the study today is, Where's Your Heart At? Our Focus in the Last Days. And, you know, people are, you hear them talking about it right now, with everything that's going on. Are we living in the last days? I, I believe that we've been living in the last days. But we're, we're seeing things change in our world, seeing our, our world go through things that we've never gone through before. 
And where is our focus now that we, we see these things upon us? Last week we were talking about preparing for the Lord and, and the importance of that and how God was telling his disciples to prepare for his return, that he was going to be coming back. And it's, it's something that our hearts, what, what, what are we focused on nowadays? Last week, when we were talking about preparing for the Lord, I, I read the last verse of verse 48 in Luke chapter 12, and I didn't really get to dive into it as much as I really wanted to. I, I told you guys I would dive into it this morning before we continued. So if you look at Luke chapter 12, verse 48, he says, But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So remember, Jesus is, is gave that example last week. He gave that example of, of people who were preparing for the Lord and people who weren't. People who just thought, oh, well, my, my master is going to delay in his coming. And people who weren't taking that responsibility on. And the ones who weren't going to take that responsibility, at the end, Jesus is saying here, look, those who have been given the truth of the word and don't do anything with it and end up rejecting the Holy Spirit, those people are going to have a different punishment than the ones who didn't know. See, all sin makes us equal. But if we fail in just one area, then we fail with the whole law. You see, in order to get into heaven, perfection was required. Now, with this verse at verse 48, but what he's saying, though, is that there's going to be different consequences. So maybe you've heard people say, well, what about the little guy in the jungle, right? The little, uh, the little dude who's running around there who's never heard the gospel before, right? That's a, a, a good, honest question. Well, in Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, it answers that question for us. Out of the New Living Translation, I'll read it to you guys. Paul writes this. He says, When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. And the Jews who do, who do have God's law will be judged by the law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts. For their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. So you see, the moral law is written in man's conscience. It's in their heart. So God deals justly. Whatever we fall back on, know this. God is a God of justice. And he will deal justly with them. Which brings me to my first point today. And before we even get into my first point, I'm going to grab my Bible because I want to read along with you guys the passage of Scripture that we're going to be going through today. In Luke chapter 12, Beginning with verse 49. We're going to finish this chapter today. 
We're halfway through the, the Gospel of Luke at this point when we finish today. Exciting. So, and I know I've been taking a little bit of my time in the last couple of chapters, 11 and 12. I've been going kind of deep because I'm like, man, there's so much there. But Luke 12, let's look at verse 49. It says this, I came, Jesus says this, I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Then he also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, A shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, There will be hot weather, and there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Yes, and why, even of yourselves, do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, go with your adversary to the magistrate and make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge. The judge deliver you to the officer and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you shall not depart from there till you have paid the very last mite. So kind of a heavy text for us this morning, and I, and I am excited to get into it. Keeping in mind that our, our focus now is discerning the times. Where's your heart at? Where's our focus right now in this day and age that we're living in? This is the most important time for Christians right now to be serious about their walk because we see the Lord is approaching more and more. So my first point today, point one, Jesus brings justice in the world that we live in we're like man when are all these evils going to be corrected when is god going to have justice come back so let's look at verse 49 jesus says i came to send fire on the earth and how i wish it were already kindled now some people when we think of jesus we think oh well jesus Loving Jesus, meek and mild. You know, he's like, oh, just love, and I want to save everyone, right? Yes, that's, you know, an attribute of the Lord. But when, when we think of Jesus, oftentimes we don't think of Jesus in his wrath. Because one of the attributes of God is that he's a God of wrath. You see, we think of Jesus as, as it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost, which is true. Jesus loves us so much. He died on the cross for us. He wants to save us. But what is this fire that Jesus is talking about here in this verse then? What is this fire? Now, some even view this part when Jesus is saying, I'm going to bring the fire. They view it as, oh, he's going to bring the fire, the, uh, the, the gospel, the good news. Yes, the, the, fire, the gospel is going to spread. 
But what did John the Baptist say about the fire? In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, John the Baptist said this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John the Baptist here is talking about Jesus, the Messiah, coming with that unquenchable fire to burn up the chaff. The wheat, we see that as God's children. The chaff, as the ungodly. So how will Jesus bring the fire? How is Jesus going to separate the good and the bad? Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 11, we know about this. You see, what are we waiting for as believers? Who are we waiting for? Jesus and his second coming. He is going to come back. When he comes back in the second coming, which I'm not referring to the rapture right now, the second coming of Christ, when he comes to this world to touch this earth again, he's coming as a judge. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, remember after Jesus ascends into heaven after his resurrection, the disciples are all watching this, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're seeing Jesus go into heaven, and these angels are there. And these angels tell these disciples, they say, men of Galilee, Acts 1, 11, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So during the great tribulation, Israel is going to be surrounded. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is going to come riding on the clouds. Zechariah 14, verses 3 through 4, says, Then the Lord will go forth, and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it toward the south. So look at this crazy picture. Israel is being surrounded, which, by the way, today, if you look at what's going on in Israel, you see, it, like, people don't like Israel right now. Even Americans are turning away from, from their love towards Israel. Every nation is going to turn against Israel, though. A- and when it looks like Israel is about to get beat, the Lord is going to save his remnant, those Jews who turn back to Jesus. He's going to save them there in that rock city that it talks about. And all the nations that are coming against, Jesus is going to kind of finally come down in the battle of armageddon i've seen the 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 actual valley of megiddo a huge valley right Uh, you you could see it from the mountaintop it says that that the blood is going to be six feet tall that's how much blood there's going to be in this battle i'm thinking jesus is going to come and just wipe everyone out where they just vaporize and just pools of blood and all the, the horses that they were on in first thessalonians Chapter 4, verse 16. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. 
We do not want to be here during the Great Tribulation. And more importantly, we do not want to be fighting against the Lord. If you guys will in your Bibles this morning, I'm going to have you guys do some drills today. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. It's the last book in your Bible, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. Just go to the last book of your Bible. Save your spot in Luke chapter 12. But John wrote this revelation about what he saw when, when Jesus is going to come back. And this is probably one of our most in-depth pictures of what's going to happen when Jesus returns. In John, I'm sorry, in Revelation 19, verse 11, John writes, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a uh, rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So now when we see Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, we also see this other side of Jesus, right? We see uh, Jesus here as, as the conqueror coming to take back what is rightfully his. The world w was lost to Satan when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And Jesus is coming back to judge the world. Jesus is bringing the justice. We talk about social justice today. Jesus is going to bring the justice. He is coming. Now this battle that, we're, that we live in today, it's hard, right? The, we have Satan and his demons plaguing us. We have the world pulling at us. And all the lies from the enemy, the destruction. We see sickness in our life. His plague. COVID. All these things. And since the fall of man, we've been in this fight. And it's hard. And we're wondering, God, when are you going to end this? When are you going to bring the justice? But as we just read in our Bible, the king is coming. And sometimes I, I admit to you guys this morning, I get frustrated. When I, and I get angry when I see what's happening with this pandemic in our world. When I look over and see what's going on in Afghanistan, I get angry. When I look at, at racism in our, in our country, in our nation. When I, when I look at the murdering of, of innocent babies, it frustrates me. And when I, when I see people applauding abortion, when I, uh, I, I get upset and, and discouraged and frustrated when, when I see people who are deconstructing God, God's marriage, what he designed of man and woman, when I see the, the celebration 
Pride Month, LGBTQ, those things, the promotion of sex outside of God's marriage. I'm like, God, when are you coming? When, when are you going to stop this fight? Because I feel like I'm a crazy one out here and, and, and the world is looking at me like, like I'm the fool. When are you going to show them that they're the fools, God? And just, just wipe them out. And that, that happens in my heart. But then, I, but then I even began to look at my own failures. I look at my failures as a Christian before the Lord. I look at my failures a, a, as a husband, a, as a son and a brother, a, as a worker, as a coworker. And when I place my eyes on that, I'm like, God, like, how do you put up with me? And when I place my eyes on all these things, the things that I want and I don't have, things that I have and I don't want. There's no contentment. There's no peace. All of a sudden my eyes are off Jesus and they're on all the problems. So what do we need to turn to when we find ourselves in this place? Who do we need to turn to? Who? Tell me who. Jesus. The Lord. Thank you. So we know we know the antidote, right? We know the cure. Why do we keep ourselves from him? You see, the same Jesus who will deal with all the wrongs in life is able to bring hope into our hearts today, this morning. Peace, fulfillment, truth, and love. Which leads me to my second point, talking about Jesus. Point two, Jesus suffered for you. Let's look at verse 50, back in Luke's gospel. Jesus says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. What's Jesus talking about here, this baptism? He was already baptized by John the Baptist here, but he's talking about a different baptism, right? You see, we know baptism as the, the water baptism that we, that we do, the immersion in the water. It's an outward expression also a public declaration of the inward change in us. You see, the symbols for baptism is that when we get immersed in the water, that's the death to self. That's the death to the sinful life. And when we come up out of the water, that's the new life. That's being born of the Spirit. That's the rebirth that Jesus talks about. We need to be born again. So it's symbolic of what's happening in us. But Jesus here is talking about a baptism for himself, right? So what is that? What is the baptism that Jesus was going to endure? It's the baptism of the cross. You see, Jesus, when he's going to get baptized right here, he's talking about being immersed in judgment, being immersed in our sin. And that's all the sins that we've ever committed, all the sins of the entire world. We're going to be placed on Jesus. So when in our lives, we're, we're walking, we're trying to follow after the Lord, and we mess up, we fall. Jesus died for that. When we see in our lives a, a politician or a leader or even a, a pastor or a leader, he commits sin, he falls. Jesus died for that sin. When someone hurts you in your life, someone wrongs you, 
Jesus died for that sin in that person's life. It doesn't mean we approve of it, but Jesus has grace for them if they accept it. So shouldn't we have grace for them? And it doesn't mean that everyone's going to receive his grace and mercy, his forgiveness. So that was the baptism of Christ. But what was the raising up for Jesus? Jesus was raised in power, right? For what? For our salvation. He was raised by all three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus himself enabled him to be risen from the grave. You see, so that means that whosoever believes can have and receive the salvation. So we're living. We go outside today. We leave this place. We get in a car accident. We die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we can rest on that truth. A believer has hurt you. There's someone in your life who wronged you. If they die and believe in Jesus, they're going to be present with the Lord. And they don't need our approval to get into heaven. It doesn't mean that they're going to receive it either if they deny it. So Jesus here, he's talking about this baptism now. So different from our baptism. See, Jesus knew what he was going to endure. He was experiencing the stress that was going to be coming upon him, the suffering, this pain and turmoil. He knew sin was going to be placed upon him. And he knew the price that it would cost for him to go to the cross. You see, for Jesus, when he was up there on the cross, when he was going through that pain, it was different when we go through pain. When we're persecuted, Jesus is with us. God the Father is right there giving us strength, peace. But when Jesus was experiencing the pain of the cross, when the sins of the world were placed upon him, he experienced separation from the Father. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Father, Father, he's crying out to his dad. Why, 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 is my separate, why is there a separation between me and you? And it was because God allowed the sins of the entire world to be placed on him. And when we look at that, what we understand is that Jesus experienced suffering because he can then relate with us. He knows suffering more than we do. So this is what the baptism that Jesus is going into. Point three, accept godly division. For the last few weeks, I've been talking about making sure division doesn't come into the church, right? And I've been talking about that, about how it doesn't matter about different uh, sects of Christianity, whether you're Episcopalian or Baptist or Lutheran, we, we need to ha- be unified in Christ. Race, doesn't matter. But right here, Jesus is about to bring division that's godly. Let's look at verse 51. Jesus says, do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. 
Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother, against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now as I'm reading this, what I see is Jesus right here, he didn't come to bring peace to worldly people and the church. Jesus came so that worldly people would leave the world behind and join his church. You know, it, it might be a surprise to you guys, maybe not, that only a few of the thousands of Mexicans in my family are saved. Just a few of them. Now, there's not thousands in my family, but there's a lot. And when uh, the, the people who aren't saved or those who are, are opposed to Christianity, when they, when they look at me and, and the things I'm doing, some of them are like, oh, that's good for you. But there's other people who think, man, this guy really drank the Kool-Aid. He, he really went out there. He went full-blown Christian. And they think, look at us like we're in a cult. E- even recently, I, I got a, an invitation from uh, one of my coworkers to go to this, uh, this Halloween party that, uh, you know, there's certain things I don't agree with that are happening there. And I, I have a problem when, when a lot of people get drunk in a party. Uh, it's kind of, a, it, for me, I, I feel like I don't belong. And sometimes people are like, man, this guy like <laughs> can't even just hang out and just relax for a little bit. But that's the division that, that God has placed in my heart that I need to be set apart. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 through 13, Jesus talks about this. He says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So you see, when you stand for righteousness and somebody comes against you, you should hear the cha-ching, eternal rewards in your mind. Oh, people are making fun of me because I'm a, I'm a Christian today. Cha-ching, God, eternal rewards. It doesn't mean you could be all weird and psycho uh, around your, your coworkers to just try to get eternal rewards. It doesn't work like, work like that. But when you stand for truth and your conviction, you hold true to that. And people come against you, they make fun of you, they revile you. God knows, he understands. You know, maybe a person in your home today, maybe they're living in sin. Whether it, it, it be drugs sexual immorality, homosexuality, drunkenness, whatever their vice is. And maybe as believers, you're tempted to accept the sin in their life because you want peace, right? You don't want to cause any strife. But Jesus didn't come to bring peace between his children and the world. You see, yes, we still love the sinner, but we hate the sin. You know, I, I really think Christians on, on a big scale got a bad rap against the homosexual community. 
Have there been people who have been hateful toward them? God hates these people? That's not true. God loves them. But now the world has taken those few people who have been Christians and then said, well, God hates homosexuals and made all the Christians look like that. But it's not true. Do we condone sin? Do we approve of it? No. Do we applaud it and encourage it? No. Do we try to keep our kids away from it? Absolutely. But we still love the sinner. Why? Because the purpose of correction is for what? I'll tell you what. Go to Galatians chapter, actually I'll have it up on the board for you. Galatians 6 verse 1. Paul writes this. Why, why do we correct people? He says this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. I have the word under there underlined restore this is the purpose of correction in our life for other people restoration to jesus because if you're correcting them so that you could just put them down and feel high and mighty it's evil we don't need that so we need to discern our motives in correcting someone one of the most loving things that we can do is give the truth with love point four Focus on eternal things over temporary. Look at verse 54. It says, Then he also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, A shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, There will be hot weather, and there is hypocrites you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth but how is it you do not discern this time remember uh, again what that word is for hypocrite the hypocrite was an actor someone who played that put the face the mask on whether it be a happy mask or a sad mask it meant someone who was talking the talk but they weren't walking the walk Jesus is saying, look, you can discern the things of nature, but not the things that are happening of the Spirit in this time. He talks about the clouds rising. So we, we got to go to Mammoth this past week. And uh, on, a, on a particular day, we went up to, uh, on the way to Mammoth, we went to Lake Crawley. And we're, we're there, and my, my dad, Lisette, and myself, we, we love to fish, so we start fishing. And the clouds, it was just really overcast that day. But suddenly, from the distance, from the mountains on every side, you could start to see these huge storm clouds like coming in. And then you start to see the lightning. The and then you hear it like, whoa. And if you guys don't know this about my wife, she's actually pretty scared of lightning. Thunder she's cool with. She actually likes thunder. But for some reason, the lightning itself, it kind of scares her. And uh, as the, the clouds were coming overhead, and th it was actually getting louder and louder. And we're out there fishing. There's no one else at this lake. big lake. Nobody else is out there fishing. And my dad and Lisette and myself and my mom were just out there fishing like, oh, we're okay. The clouds are, you know, it's, it's getting louder. And it's literally coming like, like above us, the lightning, to the point where Lisette's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And she's like, she puts the fishing pole down. She's like, I'm sorry, I can't. And she goes into the car and closes the door. <laughs> like, like, that's like going to protect her. And then the, it might. <laughs> and then the, 
as the the, la- the thunder is getting louder, um, we're starting to like me and my dad are like, all right, we better actually put things away because it's it's like literally right over us. So uh, as we're doing that, I, I get my camera phone and, and I start taking pictures with the flat or putting the, the flash on and off, like right next to the, the window where she was sitting. And she's like, oh, she's, she's all right, though. <laughs> but you see, Lisette can discern, OK, the clouds are coming. It's time to move. Because uh, we can discern the things of nature pretty easy in our, in our life, in our world. But how are we at discerning the things of the spirit right now? You see, the multitudes that he was talking to, that Jesus is talking to the multitudes, not just his disciples here, they missed the truth that their Messiah had come. He was standing there before them. He said, you guys are not discerning what time it is right now. And and at times I I fail in this too, of discerning the times. So I want to get transparent with you guys a little bit this morning. When it comes to discerning what I, my, where my focus and my heart needs to be. Because I stand before you this morning, a pastor, okay, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert in medicine. And th- you know where this is going, the vaccine, right? So my wife and I, we decided for the time being not to get the vaccine. Because about a month and a half ago, it was mandated that my wife was supposed to get the vaccine. Or do that or get the weekly nasal swab. And that it was at this point that we began to do an ongoing study on this vaccine and everything that's going on with it. A lot of research. I began to research, okay, what are the top 10 virologists in the entire world? And what do they have to say about the vaccine? For the most part, the ones who said anything about the vaccine were pro-vaccine. It's like, all right, well, let me look at the top 10 medical doctors of the world and see if any one of them is ta- talking about the vaccine. And for the most part, they're all for the vaccine. When I, I began to look at the numbers, okay, well, let me try things on the other side. Let me go look at the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, Bayer's, right? You've heard of that maybe. And I start researching how many instances that, that there's been of, of um, deaths or bad-related uh, injuries from the vaccine. And as a whole, again, I'm not telling you guys whether to get the vaccine or not this morning. But as a whole, from my personal research, I'm just telling you, I found that the vaccine has done more prevention than harm. But I think about the husband or the person who died from the vaccine, because there has been death from the vaccine. I think about the wife, the son, or the brother and do you think that they care about all the statistics that are going on, whether it's pro or against, when so their, their family member died from the vaccine? To them, it wasn't worth it. Do you think they cared about all those things? But what about the person on the other side now? What about the, the person who just wishes, oh, if maybe my, my mother, my father, my brother would have just taken the vaccine, maybe they wouldn't have passed away from COVID. And now all of a sudden we're, we're, we're stuck on in, in, in the middle of so much uncertainty, right? Because on either side, there's risk. So uh, right here, I'm standing before you guys. I'm not saying to get the vaccine or not right now. On a side note, I do want to let you guys know, if I get COVID, it's not a choice that I make to get COVID. I'm not going out there finding out who has COVID and trying to take their babas or anything. 
However, if I get the vaccine, that is a choice that I am making. So I'm going to let God make the decision for me. And I believe that vaccines should be the choice and freedom of a person. I think it should be the individual's choice. And I'll even tell you guys, I'll be honest with you, look, I, I can change my mind on this. If it comes to me going to Israel next year, that if the only way I could go to Israel is if I get the vaccine, I'm probably going to get the vaccine. Because the, re the reward of, of what's available to me outweighs the risk in it. Now, with everything I just told you, I'm not telling you to be a doctor or telling you what's right or wrong for that decision in your life. I want to admit to you guys this morning that I have been so focused with being correct in my health decisions that there's times when I should be focused on God's word or in prayer that I'm look and I'm looking at vaccine data. And I'm not doing what God has called me to do as a pastor. Because I'm focusing on temporary things rather than on the things that are eternal. And maybe in your life, God's called you to be focusing on the, the vaccine. Maybe there's people who are, are, that's part of their call. But for me personally, I fail at discerning the time. So what has God called you guys to focus on? Where's your heart at? Are you doing that? We need to focus on eternal things over temporary. So what's more valuable? Making sure that my wife is happy or making sure that she's holy? What's more important? Making sure that I get to watch the, the latest movie that I want to see or maybe for you guys it's watching the game or is it more important how God will judge the way that I treated my family? The way that God is going to judge how you treat your family? And, and women here, if there's things that don't have eternal value in your life, make sure that they're on the back burner. I was trying to think of things that women focus on. I couldn't, so I was like, all right, if there's things in your life. You see the clouds coming. What about the kingdom? Are you discerning that the kingdom is coming? Point five. Discern the time. You see, instead of looking at facts, I need to make sure I'm focused on eternity and on Jesus' return. So I want you guys to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to look at, at the signs that Jesus said would come before his return. And I want to look at how this all adds up with where we're at today. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, For how many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, Sorry, Matthew 24, verse 5, if you're not there yet. For how many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. All right, I'm going to stop there for a second. 
Okay, what do we hear in, in, on the news right now a lot? Afghanistan, right? There are wars, right? What about rumors of wars? I don't know if you guys know this, but there is actually a holocaust against Muslims right now going, in chi- going on in China. Maybe it's not, maybe you haven't heard that. And I, I, when I found out about it and how big and how real it was, I was am- am- amazed that I, this isn't really being publicized on a lot of media. And so I'm like, man, it's a rumor of a war, but this one, there's truth behind it. So do we see wars and rumors of wars? Or is it getting worse? Yeah. Look at verse 7. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now, we've seen these on the increase, and I, I had to go look it up. I'm like, okay, let me, let me look at how, if famines have been increasing over time. And they have. When you study it, right now they've taken a little bit of a drop, but a, as a whole, the, the chart goes up high in the middle, in like in the, the 60s, and then it start, dro- starts to drop down a little bit. But as a whole, it has increased. Pestilences. I don't need to talk to you about how diseases have been affecting our world lately, how, do I? No, right? Everybody knows. Does anyone here not know about what COVID is? Okay, cool. Pestilences have been increasing. What about earthquakes? Now, that was the real interesting one when I looked up the, the, the amount of earthquakes that have been documented and the increase of them. From the... U.S. Geological Survey. I'll read you a quote. Earthquakes are becoming more frequent. Indeed, a recent study by the USGS researchers found that there were more than twice as many large earthquakes defined here as magnitude 7 or above in the first quarter of 2014 than there were back in 1979. The planet saw a record number of earthquakes last April with 13 quakes with a magnitude six of 6.5. Earthquakes. I, ha- I pulled up a chart, too, and I forgot to give it to Lisa. So next time I'll, I'll show you guys. Verse 8, he says, All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now we're talking about tribulation, persecution. And I think of those martyrs right now who are dying in Afghanistan. There are Christian believers, pastors, who are dying for their faith in Jesus. We see this is happening. Verse 10, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Do we live in a world where people are easily offended? Absolutely. Are we seeing false prophets rise up? Yeah. We got Joseph Smith, leader of the Mormons. We got Jim Jones, right? The guy who invented drinking the Kool-Aid. You guys heard of him? Look him up, Jim Jones. He took a bunch of people down to South America, had a whole cult there, and then had them all drink Kool-Aid, and they committed suicide thinking that that was going to get them into heaven. And saying there was another cult, Heaven's Gate, where they were waiting for the comet to fly by. This was here in the United States. They all wore Nike shoes for some reason. That was their, their unity in that. And they all believed that when this comet was going to fly by, that Jesus, the Savior, was flying a UFO on it, and that when they committed suicide 
by putting a bag around their head, taking some, some poison and suffocating themselves, that they were going to be taken away on this UFO comet. Heaven's Gate, if y'all want to look up a scary documentary, uh, look up that one. Stay away from the Night Stalker doc. Look at the cults. Learn what it is to be in a cult and what to look out for. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Okay, now look at our world. Uh, we, we, we can't d- deny that we are approaching Jesus' return. But I, I stand here before you to say I, at times I've become more interested with the things of this world and I don't want to be. Whether it's careers, entertainment, pleasure, fame, and popularity, these are the things that get our eyes off of the Lord and off of his return. And what is God's will for our life? What is one of God's wills for our life? That we be set apart, that we be holy. Remember Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. It's as simple as that. Which brings me to my last point today. Point six. Get right with Jesus today. In verse 57, go back to Luke's gospel. Jesus continues, he says, yes, And why even of yourselves do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge. The judge deliver you to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you shall not depart from there till you have paid the very last might. Now Jesus here, he gives an illustration. And he's speaking to those who are opposing him right now. He's saying, look, why don't you discern the day and age that we're living in right now? The time is short. So if you have something against the Messiah, against Jesus, settle it today before you end up being judged before the Father. The Bible teaches us that today is the day of salvation. You see, procrastination in our life, we've experienced this. Procrastination says, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, we'll get to it. It shouts it out, tomorrow, we're going to do it. Tomorrow, we're going to do it. But then it whispers, never. That's what procrastination does in our life. We just put it off, put it off, put it off. You see, in hell, the punishment, it's forever. That's why Jesus was telling them they're going to have to pay to the very last might. In order to be in heaven, you need to be perfect. The only way we are made perfect is when Jesus takes our sin from us. And we have to receive that. We have to accept it. Because God does desire to love us. He has a plan for our life. So how do we get right with Jesus today? My last verse this morning. John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
So we need to get right with Jesus today. We need to discern the time that we're in. We need to focus on eternal things over the temporary. Accept godly division. Accept that we're freaks. Jesus freaks. Know that Jesus suffered for you. He's with you. He loves you. And that he is going to bring the justice in our life. If this morning today, you feel that you've been focused on eternal, I'm sorry, on temporary things more than the eternal, just raise your hand right now. All right, it's all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us, Lord God, for not discerning the time, for not discerning, Lord, that, Lord God, we need you, that we need to be ready, Lord God, for your return, for what's happening in our world. Forgive us, Lord God, when, when we don't do those things that you've called us to do and when we do those things that you haven't called us to do. Lord, as Paul was saying, what are we going to do in this situation? He said, thank Jesus. You've given us strength. You've given us power. The ability, Lord God, to be overcomers, Lord. May we receive that this morning. Set our hearts on fire. I pray, Father, for revival in the hearts of this room and those listening right now online. Revive us, Lord God. Revive our church, revive our families, revive our nation. May we be set apart. We love you, Lord God, and we desire to follow after you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. so blessed to be able to just share with you guys the things that the Lord's been showing me. Just know that, man, I'm learning so much just going through the word with you guys. I know that I see God working in my heart, and I want you guys to experience that. So I encourage you guys, stay in your word. Read ahead. Look at the next part of Luke chapter 13. See what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you on these things. That when we come here, we're, we're ready to just receive that double portion, that blessing that God has for us. Because we know that the time is short and we look forward to Jesus' return. So let's sing out this song.
coming on the clouds. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise. Who could stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is the lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb Every knee will bow before him Whoa, whoa Let's sing this, who can stop? Who could stop the Lord Almighty? 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 None, none could stop the Lord Almighty. None could stop the Lord Almighty. None can stop the Lord Almighty. None can stop the Lord. Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb. The lamb that was slain for the sins of the world His blood breaks the chains Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb Every knee will bow before Him Whoa, whoa Be blessed. We'll see you guys uh, on Friday night. We'll see everyone else Wednesday night or Sunday morning. We love you guys. Have a great day. God bless.